I'm Tess Vigland, and as we work, we're rethinking what we get out of internships. I wish I could be more involved and take on more leadership roles that challenge me more, maybe. I wish I spoke up for myself more. You're an intern, you know, you want to people please, you want to leave the best impression. I wish I could have probably asked more questions to my, you know, supervisors and the team I was working with about their roles and how they evolved, how they got to where they are. This is As We Work from The Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. That was May Diddle, Nick Inzarelli, and Maria Malson. We spoke to them on the streets of New York City. College kids are wrapping up their summer internships, hopefully walking away with some good knowledge, good stories, and some good contacts. The companies where they worked likely rated and reviewed them for future employment, but they aren't the only ones getting graded. So are the companies. Coming up, we'll hear about internship rating websites, what they mean for prospective interns, and for the companies where they might work. And we'll find out just how valuable internships are in the post-pandemic economy. There's always been a lot of controversy around internships. For many companies, it's meant cheap or free labor in exchange for college credit. They're supposed to provide work experience, but some internships are little more than fetching the boss's dry cleaning. For some students, working for free or a small stipend is a big financial burden, and that can put internships out of reach. The University of Wisconsin's Center for Research on College Workforce Transitions found almost a third of all internships in the U.S. are unpaid. Nearly two times as many women are in unpaid internships as men. And one of the most prestigious internships at the White House will only become a paid internship starting this fall. At the same time, companies are bringing on more and more interns. At the start of this summer, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, NACE, said companies expected to increase their intern hiring by more than 22 percent after a significant drop during the pandemic. And for many of those companies, internships are a gateway to full-time jobs. So what are interns to do? Well, for one thing, they're talking to each other and going online to make sure other interns know the score before signing up. One service helping them do that is called Canary. It's an online internship rating site, and one of its co-founders, Sims Petway, joins us today. He's a 2021 graduate of Georgia Tech who parlayed an internship at Bain & Company into a full-time job. Sims, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. You've done uh, a number of internships over the last few years. What made an internship good for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I know for me, it was the more responsibility I was able to have, the more ownership over real projects I was able to have during my internships, the more meaningful the experience was to me. Done like a number of different internships at different size companies, some large teams, small teams, large companies, small companies, and even the internships at really small companies on small teams that maybe didn't have really well-known brands or uh, they weren't a well-known company. Even if it was like that, sometimes those were the most meaningful internships to me because I got the most ownership and the most responsibility. And Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, for a couple of years, kind of part-time on and off through through my classes at Georgia Tech, 
I interned at a venture capital firm in Atlanta and was able to actually work on reports that essentially we delivered to our limited partners at the firm. So our limited partners were actually these um, large corporations from around Atlanta. And I was actually able to work on reports that went to executives and C-suite level folks at those companies. That was a, a lot of fun. And as an intern, didn't necessarily expect to have that kind of responsibility. Had a blast doing that. So fun and responsibility. That sounds like a pretty good combination. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the magic mixture right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, so your internship searches uh, started before you co-founded Canary. How did you go about finding out what a company would be like uh, before your site existed? At, at Georgia Tech, a lot of people do internships. It's very much an emphasized thing. It's a part of the culture. During freshman year already, I was looking for internships, trying to learn about different internships, learn about what I wanted to do, what I wanted to go explore. By far the most helpful thing for learning about internships was talking to my fellow classmates. Talk to people who you knew had um, you know, interned at interesting places and ask about their experience. And it was kind of amazing how much we would actually anchor on just anecdotes and stories we heard from other students. But that was like the best, mm. that was the best we had. And it was extremely illuminative. Um, or illuminating into what um, those experiences were like and what it would be like if I, you know, if I went and worked right. at a company like that. Well, so let's talk about Canary. Uh, give us a sense for how it works. A user logs on and, and then what? Yeah, absolutely. So we have kind of like two types of users, basically those who read reviews and those who post them. Uh, you can clearly do both, but all, all of our users are, are students. We ask so, some detailed questions about like, what was your experience actually like and what did you actually do? A lot of existing review platforms ask very broadly about the company as a whole and about the culture, which is a great thing. We ask about culture as well. Um, maybe the CEO approval rating, which are all helpful, all helpful things. But they're not telling you if you're just getting coffee or actually doing exactly. something, something worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and it's funny. So, you know, the old cliche of, of, of getting coffee as an intern, that's still <laughs> true. That's still true a little bit. Unfortunately, but we've, yeah. we, we've noticed kind of the new getting coffee is basically like manual data entry in Excel, which sounds a little <laughs> bit better. But honestly, I think I'd rather walk around and get coffee than just like manually transcribe data into Excel. But we see that a lot. And so, yeah, exactly. Like, you're not going to really get that from a glass door review. So on, on Canary, we ask like, hey, what was your actual position? When did you intern there? And what did you actually work on? Was it meaningful? Was it not meaningful? So the, the one thing I was curious about is that because these uh, reviews are so in-depth, it might be easy for a company to see or figure out who wrote the review? It's kind of this balance between anonymity and helpfulness of the review. The more anonymized it is, the less helpful it is to students reading these reviews. At the end of the day, like what we have found is it benefits everyone involved to be more honest and transparent. Um, if they had a great experience, they're very much fine having their identity tied to that review because it's a positive review. The company's sure. happy to see it. The student's happy to write it. If it was a negative experience, that student is very unlikely to go actually, you know, return to that company. And so their care of what the company thinks about them is, a, you know, is a little bit um, reduced. Clearly, it's not zero. And so that's right, why we right. do have it somewhat anonymous. Hey, at the end of the day, if students can be more transparent about the experiences they're having, companies want to know um, if their internship programs are being effective. It's a very um, important uh, funnel for talent for them for full time. And so internships are not just you know, free labor, you know, or not free, obviously, anymore, but like, they're not just like cheap labor for three months. They're very much yeah. uh, funnels of full-time talent that are very critical to these companies. So if you have these internship programs that are leading to poor experiences, these companies want to know about that, because um, otherwise, they're going to be losing talent, and they won't know why. 
How, how are companies reacting to this? The response has been really positive, which is awesome to see. When we first started this, a lot of folks were saying like, you know, hey, you know, companies probably won't want this to be public. They don't want people posting anonymous reviews about their experiences. But the case really is when we went and talked to these folks, they were very excited about this. Um, and we heard time and time again, we're investing in this program. We're confident that we're providing good experiences on the whole to these students. So we're excited to see what they post about us. And, and we're excited to see them share about their experience online. And it helps us learn what we're doing right and what we're you know, not do- doing well. And then it helps other students you know, see what our interns are doing and how great of an experience they are having. Sims, you've been uh, immersed in this internship world for a while now. You've done three of them. You helped found this site. How has your opinion about internships themselves evolved? My perspective on internships has only become more positive the more internships I, I did. When I started at Georgia Tech, I remember going to a, a career session early on where they emphasized internships, internships, internships over and over again. And that became just more and more true. Internships are the one time in your career where you can get multiple reps exploring multiple different things where the bar is very low and the safety net is very large. You literally get paid to go explore your interest and try things. And if it doesn't work, hey, that's okay. You just had a great learning experience and you can try something different next summer. Well, I'm 30 years into my career and now I want to do an internship. I know, right? I wish, you know, now I'm working full time (laughs) and yeah, it does sound pretty good. Sims Petway, thanks so much for chatting with us. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Up next, how the role of internships has changed for young people and the companies they're working for, and how that's changing the dynamics in the workplace. Stay with us. WSJ Special Access gives you a front row seat to some of the Wall Street Journal's most exciting content, like The Quirkier Side of Life, a new series that features the fun, surprising stories our reporters come across. The chief executive walks 10,000 barefoot steps every day. He recalls stepping on a bee, which put him off earthing for a couple of days, but he got back to it. Check out The Quirkier Side of Life on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. As students go back to college this fall, many are already starting to look for their next round of opportunities, including next year's internships. This year, they had their pick of the litter, but next year might look different. So what should interns be looking for and planning for, especially if there are more economic headwinds? And will internships remain the best pipeline to a full-time job? Lindsay Pollock is a careers and workplace expert. She's the author of multiple books about work, including Getting from College to Career, Your Essential Guide to Succeeding in the Real World. And she consults with companies to build stronger connections with younger workers. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Have you seen any change in what interns are looking for? I think a lot of interns, just like many young people who are already out of college, are looking for a mission in the company that they believe in, that they want the company's values um, and the purpose of the organization to be aligned uh, with who they are. I think, frankly, to be honest, I would have done anything (laughs) to just get a foot in the door. Yeah, me too. And I think young people today are much more savvy about wanting to find organizations. And there's a lot more information, certainly on the internet, about the values of a company. But I think they are much more interested in making sure that the culture of the organization and the larger values of that company are aligned with who they want to be. 
That sounds very much like what potential employees are looking for, you know, even even beyond the internship, the the folks who are who are looking actively looking for jobs, particularly in in Gen Z. That's exactly right. And, you know, we talk about work-life integration, work-life balance. We talk about purpose at work. These were not topics, you know, 25 years ago that were right. so much in the, the common discussion. So I think a real positive of more workplace media going mainstream is that young people know that they have value. They know that they can find organizations they believe in. And they're not just going to start with anything. Do you think the purpose of an internship has changed at all recently? I do. I think that when I was starting out in the 90s, it was probably a nice to have. It was still very common, like I did, to work at a summer camp or to work retail or to wait tables. Mm -hmm. And now many large organizations are using their internships as a pipeline for recruiting. So there are plenty of companies uh, across the world where if you haven't done an internship, you will not be considered for a full-time job. Well, that's so interesting because we have this tight labor market right now, right? And we've been in it for about 18 months. Why not just go straight to that job and kind of skip the internship part? I think that companies want to know that young people are coming in with the human skills or what we used to call soft skills like communication, Mm. managing up to a boss. And I think there used to be an assumption that college taught those things. And I think particularly since the pandemic, when so many young people were not in person to learn some of that by osmosis or by taking those classes, they want to know that young people have been exposed to professional environments. What would be some industries where you you really just have to have an internship in order to get in the door? Uh, accounting, big four accounting firms, mm. investment banks, you know, all the big fancy investment banks, professional services, the sort of consulting models um, of the world, and a lot of consumer packaged goods. But the big four have really pioneered the idea that you start as a sophomore or junior in college, and, and that's the path. And if you start your senior year, you're already too late. Wow, that's hardcore. Mm -hmm. And I get students senior year and they say, like, how do I get the job? And I I breaks my heart to say it's too late. We've heard a lot about how potential employees have more power, are demanding things because they know that employers are looking for people to to come to come and work. Uh, I wonder if that is also applying to interns. Are, Are we in some sort of moment where potential interns are in a position to be making demands and, and, and being choosy. You know, I think that employees, whether interns or not, have more leverage than they have had before. But in that context, interns probably have the least leverage (laughs) of any group in the workplace. Um, They're still there to learn, right? They're still there to network. And and I'd encourage interns to to understand that. I I absolutely unequivocally believe that interns should be paid in every environment for the labor that they're providing. But it is an opportunity to be developed and trained and learned. And so I think humility is a really important quality in an intern. So one of the things that that we're exploring today is this idea that um, interns are now part of the growing evaluation economy that we have in this country. You know, you, you can give you can give five stars and no stars to everything from from dinners to taxi drivers, right? <laughs> and and now there's this idea that there are sites where you can do this as an intern. Uh, is that part of this potentially increased power? 
I think it's fantastic that interns can have more transparency and information about what they might be walking into. Mm. I think you're right that in a culture where all of us look at Amazon reviews and and Yelp reviews and Rotten Tomatoes and all of that, (laughs) it makes total sense that we would expect that of our employers. And full-time employees have that with sites like Glassdoor. And there have been whispered networks or informal ways of finding out about internships. My concern is that I don't think an internship rating website should be the only place that you go Mm. to get information about working for a company. What would be some other places then? You know, I think a really underused resource by students is their college or university career center. There are professionals in those uh, environments, in those offices, who have been working with many of these companies for years. They have lots of data, anecdotal and otherwise, about what it's like to intern. And I think that alumni come back to their college and talk about their internship experiences. So I think real human insight into internships is incredibly important and should always supplement anything that you read on a website. Yeah, take pretty much anything on the internet with a grain of salt, right? Always. (laughs) (laughs) So now that interns uh, have so much information available to them before they decide where they might want to go, why should companies be paying attention to what's being said about them by these young people who, who worked for them, you know, maybe just for a few weeks, certainly not more than a few months? So in my work, I get a lot of companies that say, I don't understand these young people. I don't understand Gen Z. (laughs) Get off my lawn. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And my answer is, why don't you spend some time with them, right? Mm, Why don't you ask them? And so I think the magic of an internship program, whether you have one intern or a thousand interns, is you get to spend time with young people. They're your customers. They're your clients. They are certainly your future workforce. So I think there's learning on both sides. And in fact, a lot of internship programs now have what's called reverse mentoring, which is that maybe, Tess, you've been you know, a journalist for a long time, but a junior person coming in might teach you something you didn't know about using social media what? or Never. technology. No. <laughs> I know not you because you keep up at the time. No, you're absolutely right. But there's a joint learning going on it. And so the idea that an internship is is charity, I, I think is really old fashioned. I think the most progressive companies understand that they're going to learn from the junior people who come in and that that energy and positivity and desire to learn can also be um, a real shot in the arm of companies where maybe people are experiencing burnout. We've all been through a lot over the past couple of years and, and fresh faces and enthusiasm can be really powerful. I had internships that led directly to the start of my career. Um, I'm, I'm curious what, what yours were like and what you think they did for your career. I had an internship in college at a nonprofit that helped women start businesses. Oh, cool. It was a four-person office. And one of my jobs was to get non-fat muffins for my boss, who was the <laughs> executive director. However, in addition to that, This executive director said every day, come sit in my office and listen to me make phone calls. Mm. And that one experience while we ate our nonfat muffins together was so powerful because I just sat there and watched her work. I watched her make fundraising calls. I watched her have difficult conversations. I watched her negotiate. And while that wasn't a formal program in any way, the value of that is something that I think about all the time because I don't know if you could read a book to do that. So there were certainly negatives, but ultimately what the value is in that is I just hung out with somebody Mm. who had a lot of experience and let me watch her work. And I I really do think about that a lot to this day. 
I think that apprenticeship model is really powerful. And some of the value of an internship is not the the tactics of what you learn, but just being immersed in a professional environment and seeing how people behave and interact. I think that has tremendous value. Lindsay Pollock, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Summer is, unfortunately, coming to an end for interns and the rest of us working stiffs. Did you take some time off? Well, don't worry. There's still plenty of time to stress out over your out-of-office email. Coming up, we'll have some tips for managing the inbox while you're out. Tess, what were your internships? My very first internship was um, with Oregon Public Broadcasting. And literally on the second day, they were short-staffed. It was summer. And they were like, here, you press this and you press this. And uh, here's a microphone. Go. (laughs) And the rest is history. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, our pro tip, if you've taken any time off this summer, you probably spent a few minutes writing your OOO, your out-of-office email message. You might be hoping it will mean OOO000 in your inbox when you return, or at least that it will keep people from trying to contact you while you're getting R&R. But there is an art to this, and our work and life columnist Rachel Feinzig is here to help us with some out-of-office design. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I have to ask, what does your out-of-office email response usually say? Like, really clear and classic, I'm out of the office. But it's always a question of, like, do you put yourself? Do you tell people to text you? Do you how, right, right. how much do you give away that you're, like, probably actually still online? Like, that's that's the question for me. I, I mean, I have to say, I just basically say, I'm away, and I'll get back to you when I return. So, <laughs> but That's may- what you should do. Well, maybe it is what I should do. So, so let's talk about this. Uh, what are some of the pitfalls to avoid in that out-of-office message? I think some of it depends on like reading the room in your organization. One of the huge questions is how personal do you get? How funny, you know, how much do you share about your life? And I talked to people who really felt like they started sharing details of where they were off to, what they were doing, like fun little quirky facts. I I talked to a guy who's in the tax industry. He said, you know, when he was doing just the classic boring out of office, people would just email him a second time, you know, like basically (laughs) being like, I know you're there. But when he started sharing, like, you know, I'm going to a Tim McGraw concert, I'm going to like this random state, here's details about their tax law. People would just be like, (laughs) A, they would leave him alone. And when he got back, they would be like excited to talk to him as a human. Like they weren't bugging him for work (laughs) stuff anymore. They wanted to talk about Tim McGraw. So 
I've talked to bosses on the other side. I talked to a guy who was emailing with a vendor of his who was, um, you know, supposed to be working on a project that they were like under deadline for. And he got this out of office being like, I'm surfing off the coast of France. And he was really mad about it. So I think you do have to be careful. I think there can be upsides to sharing stuff that's more personal and there can well, be downsides. I mean, the the official advice, you know, from a communication expert I talked to is keep it brief. I'm out of the office. Here's the date I'll return. Um, you know, have kind of like a backup person to contact. And there's one other option you can choose that involves horses. It's bizarre, right? There are these um, adorable Icelandic horses who have been starring in this campaign. It's a marketing campaign to get people to visit Iceland. And it's based on this idea that we are all so bad at logging off our email. And so they've decided that these three horses can help us. So they built a giant keyboard for the horses (laughs) to walk across in West Iceland and they wrote gobbledygook messages that you can now outsource as your email. So you can go online and be like, I'm out of the office, but like this adorable Icelandic horse has written you this totally (laughs) nonsensical message. And they did proofread them to make sure there were no swear words in any languages, I'm told. If nothing else works, I say go for the horses. Why not? All right, Rachel, (laughs) thank you. And I promise I will never, ever, ever ignore your out of office message and I will leave you alone. Thanks so much, Tess. You're the only one, but I'll take it. Next time on the show, you might be familiar with the Peter Principle, where people are promoted to their level of incompetence. But what happens when you're promoted and you're not ready, but you kind of have to take the job? Say when the job market is tight, you've just come out of a global pandemic and a bunch of people leave your company, but somebody's got to do the work. You've been promoted out of absolute necessity and you don't really have an option to say no. We'll look at what that can do to a career and what you need to do to get up to speed fast. A reminder that we do want to hear from you. Tell us how your summer internship went. Send us an email at aswework@wsj.com. You can also find us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton is the morning mist on the Blue Ridge Mountains. And our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Tess Vigland. See you next time. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. Coming soon from the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.